like God wants to help us to overcome this kind of arrival syndrome in our lives and in our marriages. And what I mean by that is this idea that, well, this far and no more, this is good enough, this will be okay. Um, I'm not where I used to be and so here's okay. And Or, or my life's better than it was. Our marriage is not as good as I wished it would be, but it's not where it used to be. And this idea that we just make peace with where we're at, like God's done. Like God's done, this is enough. And, 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 and like this spirit of arriving, I believe in church, uh, in our marriages and in our lives is the enemy of your faith. It's an enemy of your faith. That, well, this is enough. But, but me, I wanna keep believing that God could do more in my life. It's not that He hasn't been good, but that He's still good, amen? And it's not that He hasn't done any miracles in my life, but that He still does miracles. And it's not that my marriage hasn't been good or hasn't overcome, but that it still can, amen? <laughs> and, and, I, and I just wanna pray against this, this, this arrival syndrome where wherever you are in your marriage, you're like, well, this is it. Well, I guess this is how it's going to be. Uh, I guess we're just going to be maybe this romantic for the rest of our lives and no more or no less and this is it. But, or maybe you've been in relationships and you're single right now and you're like, well, I, I guess this is it. Or maybe you've had bad relationships and you're like, I guess that's how they go. And we make peace with where we're at. And I believe we need to make war with where we're at. And we need to fight for our marriages. And we need to fight for romance. And we need to fight for more love. And we need to fight for more respect. And we need to fight because next week, next week I'm gonna preach a message that um, this day is how they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another, right? And by the way, pro tip, that's not talking about, they won't know that we're God's disciples by our love for the world. That was talking about for our love for one another here. We'll talk about that next week. But your marriage is one of the greatest relationships God ever designed and instituted. Not one of, it's the. In fact, in terms of earthly relationships, marriage is the most amazing earthly relationship that God instituted and designed. And I do believe that in a Christian marriage, that this then is also how they'll know that we're His disciples by our marriage relationships as well. And so this last week and this week, we've been talking about marriage and single people in the room are being blessed because you get to see what you ought to live up to, look up to and strive for and maybe desire in relationships. Um, you're also, and, and for people who have been in bad relationships uh, can be encouraged that that there's a better way, right? Um, and, uh, and these principles don't just work in marriage too though. They're good for your business relationships, employers to employees, employees to employers, co-workers, friends and family, brothers and sisters, husbands, wives, mothers, daughters, fathers, sons. And so uh, if you listen with an open heart today, uh, I believe that God's going to help you. Uh, again, like last week was good for a lot of people. Uh, this week will be as well, but, um, but I wanna pray right now anyway for that, that, that sense of arrival to be gone. And it's not that we won't be content, uh, 
I'm content with the life God has given me, but, but the life that God has given me isn't everything I'm living right now, you see? And so there's more that He wants to do in my marriage, in my own self. And, uh, and, 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 and hey, look, at risk of sounding like a prosperity gospel preacher, even in my finances, come on now, right? Like, you're not a prosperity gospel preacher if you believe that God wants to prosper His people like He says in His Word, all right? It's okay, all right? But there's more and we, we just don't want to ever live with this idea that we've arrived this far and no more, this is enough. Well, I'm 70 now, all right? Well, look, submit yourself and every area of your life to God. When He speaks, answer. When He calls, follow. And life's going to get better and things are going to improve and things can change, amen? So we haven't arrived. Where you are right now, my friends, you haven't peaked. Come on, you haven't peaked. You did not peak in high school. You did not peak in college. You did not peak when you got married. You haven't peaked yet. Come on now. We're not done. Someone say amen. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that the Christian journey doesn't have a destination on earth. It doesn't have a destination in this world. Lord God, it's still going. It's always changing, Lord God. There's always something else that we can do for You. There's always something else that we can change in our lives. Uh, there's always something else, some step of faith that You want us to take to increase, Lord God, our influence, our character, our integrity, uh, our relationships, whatever it is, Lord God. And I pray today that You would break off a sense of arrival or peaking in marriages and relationships that we would not be like, well, we've got this far. We outlasted the statistics. We'll just coast to death one day. But no, Lord God, we would look at our husband. We would look at our wives and we would say, I want to keep getting to know you. I want to keep growing in my relationship with you. I want to know you more. I want to please you more. I want to bless you more, Lord God. And I pray that same mentality would, uh, would, 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 would then overflow into our other relationships, that, that we wouldn't take people for granted and just be like, well, they're there. But we would continue, Lord God, to see the people you put in our lives as gifts and work on having healthy relationships with them. So God, I pray against that, 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 that arrival syndrome and that instead of making peace with where we're at, we'd make war, Lord God. We take more ground and, and that by our love for one another, particularly in those marriage relationships and in our families, that people would know that we are yours. In Jesus' name. Someone say amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Let me read the word to you real quick and, uh, and, then, and then we're going to be all right. Hey, can I encourage you one good reason to read your Bibles more and get to know your Bibles is sometimes you can't find the bookmark and you got to find it, all right? So today as I walked on stage, my bookmark was gone. But I know where Ephesians is so I could find my passage, all right? So then it saves you from being embarrassed in front of everybody where you got to go to the concordance up on stage, all right? And uh, that has happened to me once before. Like, where's Zephaniah? Who no, no one really knows. You have to look it up every single time. So, all right, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Just a quick passage this week. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. And I do love that it says be put away from you because it is a choice whether bitterness and anger and clamor and slander are going to be near you or away from you. And for me, I'm going to put it away from me and people who do it, I'm going to put them away from me as well. Come on now, right? <clears throat> 
um, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, be tender-hearted to one another, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So Lord, I pray you help me preach a word that will strengthen marriages, strengthen relationships, uh, and, uh, and, and help us all, Lord God, to, to show the world that, that not only do we live a different life, but Lord, we live a better life. And uh, that by that, they'll know that we're your disciples and Lord God, that they will see the goodness, the God good that we do in our lives and relationships. And then they too would want to glorify you and lift your name up. And that by that, Lord God, we would see your kingdom expand and take ground uh, in Iowa, uh, in Des Moines, uh, in Owine, uh, in Audubon, Lord God. And so we just pray for this in your name and uh, someone say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. I'm so glad that you are at church with us today. I want to say a quick welcome. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, uh, I'm glad that you're here. We've got a gift for you after the service. So on your way out, please go see one of the people wearing a fluorescent yellow shirt or go to the Connection Lounge by the doors and they'll hook you up with a new shirt as well. Yours won't be fluorescent yellow. It's going to be uh, one of those I got bold at Eternity Church shirts and a couple of other little goodies in there. Um, we just want to be one of the most generous churches that you've ever been to in your life, if not the most generous church. And that's true here in Clive. That's true in Audubon. If you're new in Audubon as well, let me tell you, you are sitting with some of the most generous people that you will ever meet in your life. And they have a gift for you in the lobby as well. So, um, uh, also, um, what else? Nope, there's nothing else on my notes there. So, um, before we um, get into today's message, I just want to do a like, very, very quick recap on last week's message. And I will be quick because I have 75 points um, for you today. And, uh, and you think I'm joking. Uh, I'm not actually joking. I really do have 75 points for you today. And so, um, so we've got to get through them really quick. Now, uh, if some of you are wondering how the heck is he going to do that uh, before the Super Bowl tonight... Um, <laughs> Look, I'm a professional, okay? I've been doing this for a long time. I've preached probably 1,500 sermons. So I know how to preach 75 points uh, before the Kansas City Chiefs uh, destroy the Eagles. Sorry to the Green family. And so um, the Green family, um, if the Eagles lose, it's really going to hurt them. So if, if, the, if the Eagles do lose... Um, you know, we should love one another and you should all make some kind of donation to the uh, Green Family uh, Therapy Fund or something like that. Um, we need them. They're a great part of our worship team, incredible people. We need them to get through what's going to happen to them today. So um, someone make sure that you pass on to them how much I love them and are caring about them in our service today. So, um, But to recap for last week, um, um, if you didn't get the message, please just uh, go to myeternity.com forward slash uh, sermons and check that out. Um, actually, there's a barcode on the screen there. You can hold that up and that'll work online as well. Hold your camera up to that barcode and watch last week's message. I do believe it'll help you, especially in your love relationships. Um, we talked about uh, if you sin and hurt somebody, <clears throat> how do you go about apologizing and get through that? Uh, we really anchored that story in uh, Abram's uh, disgusting uh, behavior towards Sarah and uh, the Egyptians. <clears throat> but the key points were, number one, take responsibility. Uh, number two, say, I'm sorry. Number three was, uh, don't make excuses in your apologies. And number four was, change your behavior. And so I want to encourage you to go watch that. But, but an apology is 
isn't just regretting that I did something, it's actually saying I'm sorry, taking responsibility for what I did, not making excuses, but then actually making a change, actually repenting, turning around and going a different direction, okay? Um, So that was last week, but today I want to go from the other angle, and uh, that one was I hurt you, I'm sorry. This week I want to go from the angle of you hurt me, Uh, how do we deal with that? Uh, how do we uh, how do we forgive? Um, and I recently did actually speak on forgiveness about I think it was about two months ago, so <clears throat> fairly recent. Um, and uh, but this is Love Month, and so I figured even though we did it recently, uh, we will do it again since forgiveness is uh, a core tenet of the Christian faith. That is that God forgave us and he commands us to forgive one another because we're Christ followers. And so forgiveness is not something that we can overstate or overcommunicate uh, as the church. And so, um, <clears throat> so we're going to do that again today, okay? Um, but today I'm going to specifically talk about it regarding a love relationship, uh, but it will still, again, be applicable to other areas of your life. And um, we want to talk specifically regards a proper, healthy, functioning marriage as well. Um, so if you're single in the room, listen, um, marriage is not uh, all you think it's going to be, okay? <laughs> and <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's not all like, you know, before, before you get married, you think it's going to be a, a walk in the park. Uh, then you get married and you realize it's, it's, it is a walk, but it's, it's in a jungle. And, um, and there's like lions and there's like snake pits and there's uh, volcanoes and there's lava and you've got a map but the map was written by someone who's never even been there and so you're like I don't know how to do this right and so that's marriage okay um, so hands up if you're married in the room uh, you can you put your hands down hands up if what I said is true and you agree with me um, and so you're going to fight in your marriage and uh, some of you are going to fight in your marriage because you just put your hand up as well um, but, but single people, you see, they all put their hands up. You are going to fight. Hands up if you've had a fight in your marriage, right? Keep it up if, up if it was today, and uh, no, you can put it down. <laughs> and, so, and some of you are going to have another fight on the way home because you put your hand up so many times this morning. Uh, you may not have a guns-drawn cops called ER visit fight, um, but it's not like Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of fight, uh, but you are going to have some fights in your marriage, and if you're in a relationship or if you want to be in a relationship, something that you need to understand is that you are going to fight the person that you're in relationship with, okay? That is going to happen. And if you want to stay in that relationship or if you don't want to hate living your life in that relationship, um, then you're going to have to forgive. See, Lauren and I, uh, the, the deal is this. Um, we've got two options. We're either going to be married and happy or married and miserable, but we're going to stay married. And uh, and if you don't want to be married and miserable, you're going to have to uh, choose to forgive, (coughs) excuse me, the offenses in in the marriage because you are going to get hurt. And all the single people, I I just want to encourage you how wonderful this relationship is. And I'm not talking about like TV hurt where it's stupid stuff that they break up for the dumbest reasons, you know, like, like where, where they, they met because of a dare and then, and then later on they're in love and it's going great um, and then she's like, well, now 
the whole relationship is predicated on a lie. How could I ever trust you again? It's like no sweetness. You met because of a dare. That's it. You liked each other and then you fell in love. Thank you. Next, right? Like, like if that's the worst thing that happens in your marriage, like the worst thing that ever happens in your marriage is that you found out that they only met you because their friends dared them to come say hello to you, you're going to have a great marriage, all right, if that's the worst thing that happened, right? In fact, I wouldn't even be offended. I'd be like, what, you dared her? Look, honestly, I thought she was out of my league, but guess what? I had the skills to land that plane. Come on now, right? Like, I would be proud of that whole situation, right? And they have these dumb reasons for fighting in movies because every good movie has got to show you that relationships are hard, but the hard that they show us is so easy, right? Like, the hard is so stupid, you know? Like, so they've got to introduce hard times into relationships before people can get married because after the marriage, it's going to be perfect forever, at least in the movies, right? But before they get married, there's going to be these hard times. And, you know, and so, but by the way, like while you're dating right now, like anyone dating in the room, give us a wave, right? Good, there's some dating people in the room. This is the best you'll ever see them behave. (laughs) Like ever. Because right now you don't have a contract with them that says, I'm going to stick around even if you fart in public at a restaurant in front of me, right? Like right now they will not do that, but they do do that one day, all right? <clears throat> like not Lauren, but I've heard other wives do, right? <laughs> and, and, and but right now it's just such really, really good behavior and, uh, and it's going to go downhill a little bit. And then at some point they're going to realize that they might want to actually start impressing you again and, and lift that back up there and but they introduce these hard times in movies and and you know there's such easy hard times like oh my gosh she totally picked or he totally picked the wrong amount of lemons it's like sweetheart that it's gonna be all right you know like sorry he got six lemons you wanted nine whatever you know or in the devil wears Prada the guy breaks up with her because she's like oh my gosh she's like a totally different person now she dresses nice and does her hair it's like bro that's a win all right like I I know that men are visual, and you can say that you're not visual, but I know that you are. And if, you've, and if your, your wife has gone from somebody, uh, sorry, your girlfriend has gone from somebody that didn't care about their appearance to all of a sudden they look like a stone-cold fox every time you see them, bro, you're winning right now. This is not a reason to break up, all right? <laughs> Come on now. And, uh, and so it's crazy the, the stupid ideas that they introduce. Uh, in one movie, you know, it looks like he's having an affair. She sneaks up to the office and it's late at night. No one else is there. She goes up there. She's going to surprise him after a long day. She's bringing dinner. And uh, when she gets up there, she sees that he's hugging another woman. And instead of going in there to confront what's going on, she just ghosts him. And I'm not really that into you right now. And she breaks it off. A couple of days later, she runs into him again sees him with the same woman that she was hugging, shock, or it's his mummy, you know, like, like, and just a little bit of maybe a conversation could have solved that, uh, like a, a couple of days or a, a few weeks before you ghosted him, you hear what I'm saying, right? And so these relationships that they almost end forever because people are stupid in movies and they don't confront issues at hand, but even when they do break up, they're for the most ridiculous reasons that I can think of, but in real life, people are going to actually have affairs that you've got to process and get through. Come on now, right? In real, now, not everybody, don't worry, single people, not everybody does that, not a lot of people, but some people do, right? And listen to me, you can actually get through that. 
Did you know that? You can get through that, all right? Uh, sometimes people are going to do genuinely nasty things. Sometimes you might feel neglected. They don't pay attention to you. They take you for granted. Not for two days like in the movie. Like, oh, like, oh my goodness, they didn't call me for two days. And if that's how it's going to be with you, I'm just, we just can't do this anymore. Like, right? like, like in real life, you might feel neglected or, 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 or not, no attention for days. And if you go into a relationship thinking that the worst thing that's going to happen to you is that you accidentally... Uh, thought that he was cheating on you, but at last it was his mummy or her daddy. I got news for you. Sometimes there's real hurt in relationships. And it's hurt that can't be fixed by running into them at the coffee shop with their mum. Real hurt that needs to be processed, that may need therapy, that needs to be worked through, that needs to be prayed through, that needs to come to altar calls. For some, it might look like years of neglect. How do you overcome feeling neglected for 10 years in a marriage relationship? because you can overcome it. But if they change their behavior, how do you forgive that and forget that and move past that when you're the person that felt neglected? For others, it might be years of not having sex. And some people are like, oh, I wouldn't care. Yeah, you do, don't lie to me, right? Like I've had somebody tell me, oh, I don't really care about sex. And I'm like, you do, you just don't care about it with your spouse. Like, and that can bring bitterness and blame and even shame into a marriage. How do you forgive that? How do you move past that? Still for others, they may feel unsafe or insecure by the actions that the other person have taken. And and even after they change, how do you get to the point where you you can appreciate that person, you can enjoy your relationship with them and actually forgive and move past that? Because that's the kind of bitterness that's harder. It sticks to you harder and it takes longer to process than a magical movie fix. In these magical movies, they have a hard time and done. Well, glad we figured that out. Thank you. Next problem. All right. No, no, no. It takes longer than that. And one day, now again, this is super encouraging for all the single people, right? One day, you may actually regret the fact that you got married. One day, you may very well wish that you were not in that marriage anymore. That may happen. In fact, I wouldn't say all, but most of the married people that I've talked to that have been married for any decent amount of time have told me that there have been days, months, maybe even, where there's periods of the marriage where they're just like, I hate this and I wish I wasn't in this. So the question is, will you continue to hate it and stay in it or will you stay in it and fix it? Lauren and I have been honest uh, from the pulpit at different times too that there have been times where though uh, we would never get out of the marriage, that the thought has been life would be so much better out of this than in it. But we stay because you got a choice. Stay miserable or stay and fix it, right? Now, yes, there are times you just got to get out of a marriage or get out, sorry, get out of the situation. Um, There are times that you have to move out of the house, okay? And I have seen domestic violence and things like that I actually turn into great healing and incredible testimonies. But I would recommend anyone in a domestic violence situation that you get out of the house. Uh, ladies, if he's hitting you, move out today uh, or tomorrow. We will pay for your moving truck and send some strong men to help you. Now, listen, notice I did not say get divorced. All right, for those of you who think I'm unbiblical, I did not say get divorced at all. I'm, I'm not about divorce. Uh, even Jesus said that Moses only allowed that because you have hard hearts. 
um, but, but, but I'm not about divorce. I believe that anything, that any marriage can overcome any obstacle, okay? But not all marriages can be healed while you're still together, okay? Some of them need a little bit of space, a little bit of distance to heal. And so ladies, if he's hitting you, uh, get out today. And uh, I know that there may be a man watching this online and he might want to hit me for it. That's good. Do that. We'd rather that than you keep hitting her. And, um, but she needs some space because you're not going to change until you realize there's consequences to your behavior. Sometimes forgiveness and healing and restoration needs to happen from a distance instead of such close proximity. Men, it's the same for you. If she's hitting you, move out and take your kids with you. If she's doing it to you, she'll do it to them when you're gone or she'll do it to them at some point as well. People who abuse husbands and wives abuse kids as well. So get out. Let the healing and the forgiveness and the restoration start from a place of safety. I'm just saying that because I'm very much pro don't get divorced, don't get divorced, don't get divorced. You can get through this. Keep going. God's good. God's a healer. But I'm telling you right now, if there's violence, get out and let it heal from a distance. Amen. Amen. And so if you need help with that processing, if you've been violent, we can help you deal with that. We can help you overcome that. We can help you get therapy. We can talk you through that. We can help you be a better man or a better woman. And if you've been the victim, we can help you as well. Okay. Is that good? Awesome. But for most people, it's not going to be that kind of situation in the marriage. Um, It's going to be more like hurtful moments that they don't even remember or hurtful words and threats that need to be addressed, maybe threats of divorce. And who knows, those threats, once that threat's made, it's always there. And you've got to try and get past that. And so feelings of neglect or disrespect, disappointment, absence, uh, broken promises, financial stress or gambling, drunkenness, addictions, actual affairs, and so on and so forth. And so I I want to talk to you about how do you get past all of that, amen? Uh, I want to talk to you about that today. So, because sometimes, if you, well, not sometimes, if you get married, you're going to get hurt. This has been such an encouraging sermon so far, hasn't it? Like, who's loving this right now? You're like, this is just amazing. I have never been more encouraged in my life. I cannot wait to get married. All right? And so, if you're single, um, we're going to have a room out back for all the single people to meet up and exchange phone numbers after church. And. And never call each other back because I just heard that, right? But, um, but no, listen, um, it, there's going to be some hurt in your life, all right? You've already got friends, they've hurt you. You've already got a mom, she's hurt you. You've already got a dad, he's hurt you. You know what I mean? You know that relationships come with a little bit of hurt. Proximity comes with uncomfortability. And, uh, but if you handle hurt right, your relationships and your life can go from strength to strength to strength to strength, amen? If you stick around and don't give up on each other, you know, if you do the work and get through it together, uh, your relationship can be better at the other end, and they can even be stronger after hurt than they were before the hurt. And So I'm not saying let's hurt each other so we can be stronger. It's going to come on its own, all right? You don't need to bring it in. But I am saying that your relationships can be stronger after hurt than beforehand if you handle it well. So here's my 75 steps to freedom and forgiveness. Um, Now, what I'm going to say first is this. Um, For some of you, like after spending all that time saying you're going to get hurt, for some of you, uh, the most important step in the process to forgiveness is to first, before we go there, is to ask myself, am I a snowflake? (laughs) Okay? For many of you who are offended and hurt, 
the most important thing to do before you step into the process of forgiveness is to just do a bit of a heart check and check, am I being a snowflake? My snowflake, right? Because um, none of us are perfect. And, 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 and so, so sometimes in our imperfections, we can start to create and look for reasons to be offended, you know? So are we just searching for opportunities to be offended in our marriages or in all of our relationships? Am I a snowflake? Am I always offended? Am I always triggered? Am I always finding reasons to be hurt and upset at people and the world? Do I really need to forgive them or do, do I just need to stop being a snowflake, right? Uh, maybe they don't even need to be forgiven because they don't even realize something happened. And, and, and honestly, no one in the world would be offended by it except for people who love to be offended. You know, Do you find yourself easily angered, easily offended, easily upset every single day? You might be a snowflake. Now, the good news is um, we have some really cold temperatures to, to freeze you a little harder, to make you harden up a little bit, all right? We can help you get tougher today, okay? Are you the person who, after you leave the coffee shop, you've always got a reason to leave a bad review, no matter where you go, always a bad review. Listen, if you're the person and you're like the king or the queen of bad reviews on Yelp, you are probably a snowflake, okay? If you've always got a reason, if you go through your Yelp history and like, and even 40% of your, your reviews are bad, you're a snowflake, all right? Like, like, are you the person that every day when you get home, uh, you've always got something to complain to your spouse about, something about your day, something about a person you encountered, something about a shop that you went to, something about them, something about the house. You know, uh, are you that driver on the road or that person at work? Are you the one that complains about that dog that won't shut up, that friend at work, that server that took so long, that cat that was so annoying, that person that ran over the cat that was so annoying, that road worker that's picking up the dead cat on the road that was so annoying? Are you the person that's complaining because now it's slowed down the traffic and I'm going to be late to work because they picked up the dead cat that I was complaining about yesterday being so annoying, right? Are you the person that nobody can win around you? That no matter what happens, no matter what the situation is, no matter who they are, there's going to be something that you find wrong with them. This is what I hate about that CRT stuff right now. It's like there's just no way to win. You just can't win. They're always guilty of something. We're just trying to figure out what they're guilty of, right? Too many white people move into the neighborhood. They're guilty of gentrification. Too many leave. They're guilty of white flight, right? Are you like that? Where no matter what the person around you does, they're guilty. I'm just going to figure out what are they guilty of. Of? Are you the person who's always looking for a reason to be ticked off, offended and hurt? Listen, no one likes hanging out with them. Some people signed a contract for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, for snowflake or for ice, whatever. And they're, so they're still there, but they're not going to like it. You might find that they have bitterness against your snowflakery and need to forgive you. Come on now. Are you the person at church? Well, no one said hello to me. Well, did you say hello to anyone? Because I've been here and I've looked in this lobby and when people say hello to people, people say hello back. So if you have the complaint that no one said hello, you said hello to no one. Come on now. 
Are you the person that you're, well, my last 17 churches, nobody said hello to me. Well, you said hello to no one in your last 17 churches. And probably if nobody comes near you in the last 17 churches that you've been to, you probably need a shower. (laughs) Something's going on with you, princess. All right. You might need to fix that. No one helped me. Did you ask for help? Nobody reached out to me after I put that thing on Facebook. Did you ring anybody? Did you tell anybody? Nobody gave me $1,000. Get a job, and then they will after you do the work, right? Like there's so many times where I've been offended at Lauren, and I've just been like so annoyed at Lauren for things that just, well, she didn't do. (laughs) That I was just offended and being a snowflake. We have all these nest cams in front of our house right now so that, um, so that if, you know, if you turn up in the middle of the night, I can get my gun ready before you get inside. And, um, and so, but we have all these cameras outside our house, you know, the nest cams and stuff. And one day, Lauren and I having an argument out there and um, she said something and, and I was like, it's the way you said it. You know, I'm like, it's just the way you said it. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, she's like, I, I literally just said it like a normal person. And, you know, and I'm like, no, it's the way you, you just, you know, I'm so, it's just disrespectful or whatever else, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, and then being, you know, really um, petty, I, uh, I realized, well, we're arguing in front of an S cam. And I did. And I was like, I'll show you how you said it. And so I whipped out my phone and I logged into the NES cam and I played it back and sure enough, she said it like a normal human being. And I was just... And then I was just annoyed that she let me look up the next cam, you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes, like, sometimes we just get offended because we're a snowflake. Or we've just got an attitude that filters everything through this offense mechanism that we've brought into our lives. And uh, Now, there's other times where I've been offended at Lauren for really good reason. And we've had to talk about it, and vice versa, me to her as well. But Proverbs says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense, assuming there are some offenses that just don't even need to be dealt with. They can just be ignored and overlooked, because sometimes we're just snowflakes looking for reasons to be offended. And the people that we are around the most are the people that we do it to the most. Because we see them all the time. Because we talk to them all the time. Because we hang out with them all the time and we get a bit familiar. Let's not make big deals out of small deals. Let's not be easily angered and easily offended. Are you the person who's always looking for a reason to be ticked off? Because step two is, if I am being a snowflake... Toughen up, buttercup. Okay? These are the two steps before the how to step into forgiveness. If I am being a snowflake, toughen up, buttercup. The famous love passage, 1 Corinthians 13, says love is not irritable or resentful. That is, it's not easily offended and it's not easily provoked. If you love somebody, you'll choose to not take offense so easily. If you love somebody, you choose to be a little bit thicker skinned than that. Because as the proverb said before, it's to your glory to overlook those minor infractions that may not even be infractions at 
all. There are just some offenses that aren't worth spending time on. Can I get an amen? Now, you might be here and you're like, well, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're like, man, I just know that what they did was offensive, right? So, like, they punched you in the face, your friend did at work. Well, you know, that's not a minor infraction. I am going to address that, right? Um, um, but, uh, you know, they, they crashed the car. My wife crashed a car or I crashed a car. You know, it's not like we said, woke up in the morning, we're like, you know, I'm, I'm going to crash that car. That'll be great today, you know? They probably made a mistake, you know? Uh, if you've noticed that they're on their phone all the time and they were at that time too, maybe we should address that, right? Sometimes we don't know whether it's, uh, whether it's something that we need to overlook or, or whether I'm being a snowflake or whether it really is something that needs to be addressed. And in those times, just go to the Lord and pray. Lord, what is going on with this, Lord God? Why does my heart feel like this? Could you help me, Father, my Father in heaven, could you help me to understand you? Do I need to toughen up? Or do I need to address this issue in our relationship right here? And I'm telling you right now, God will speak to you. You'll leave that moment of prayer with an understanding in your heart of what you need to do. And, and if you don't, talk to a friend, not one of those gossip friends that's going to go up and tell everyone else and be like, look, um, I was talking to Steve about their marriage and I'm telling you so you can pray for them. They're really struggling with whether he's a snowflake or not. And, uh, and then, you know, that's gossip, all right? Tell a friend who won't say it to anybody and is just going to talk to you and be like, honestly, I think you need to toughen up a little bit, buttercup. Or they're going to be like, yeah, I would probably be annoyed by that and want to deal with it too. There's good wisdom in the counsel of friends and leaders, amen? And then step three, if I am not being a snowflake, deal with it. You can just ignore it forever and be mad about it forever. Or like an adult, you can deal with it like a human who's capable of taking their thoughts, their actions, and their words captive. And you can talk about it, <clears throat> and you can deal with it. I, I, I have a saying, I can't remember where I learned it, whether it was from my old pastor or not, but, um, but if, 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 if you do something to offend me today, and for the next couple of days, and, and then I'm offended, and, and, and if I'm annoyed at you, then that's your fault. But if in six weeks or six months I'm still annoyed at you, it's my fault. And I have that, that kind of mentality with my staff as well. We've got 20-something staff here at Eternity Church, and um, I tell them as well, I mean, I say there as well, if, if they do something, and I'm not just talking something petty, but something that's just annoying, uh, and it just annoys me that they're not doing it right or something else, well, that's their fault. But if, if that still annoys me in six months or, or a year or three years, and now I just wish they weren't here and I wish I could fire them, that's my fault because I didn't address it. So it is with your marriage. If something is, is genuinely hurting you, um, and, 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 and well, that's their fault. But if it still does in three years, that's your fault. You didn't deal with it. I want to encourage you to deal with it. Amen? Amen. Um, and so uh, you, you're never going to know uh, even if they don't know. You know, if you feel unloved, um, like ladies, if you feel unloved, there's a solid chance that your husband doesn't know. Okay, we're not mega perceptive in that whole arena. And um, there's a good chance if you're like, I just don't feel loved, there's a pretty good chance that he thinks that, that you feel loved more than any woman on earth ever has. And he's gonna be quite surprised to find out that you don't in fact feel loved. And, uh, and God willing, he will want to change his behavior and talk about that 
with you, right? And so, um, so I want to put on my sort of pastoral counselor hat for a moment, and I want to share with you something that really helped mine and Lauren's marriage, helped us figure out how to talk to each other uh, when we need to deal with something and need to communicate about something that's stressful in our lives. And, uh, and so, um, because communication is something that every relationship takes. And how do I know that? Because if you ask anyone, what's the key to a healthy marriage? Everyone says communicate, right? Like, come on, anyone got, like, people will say that first because you have to, and then they'll give some other advice after that, right? Like, but I don't think anyone has ever given me advice first. They're like, what's the key to a healthy marriage? Earn good money and then communicate well. You know, it's always communicate well, you know what I mean? And, um, but the, the, the problem with communication is no one actually wants to do it. Like, we, we don't tend to actually want to do it. And some say that they want to communicate, but really they don't want to communicate. They just want to vomit nasty pain all over the other person. And that's not communicating. That's barfing drama all over them, right? Uh, whereas others want to ignore the issue and hope it goes away, and then they'll isolate themselves and they'll withdraw from the relationship. <clears throat> About seven years ago, it might have been eight now, but seven or eight years ago, Lauren and I were having a moment like that in our marriage, where um, the only communication we wanted to do was to vomit on each other and barf and just nasty, just pain, blah, you, 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 you. And, uh, and then so instead, uh, at some point, um, Troy, who was one of our board members, uh, realized that we weren't doing well and commanded that we deal with it. Um, and uh, basically it was um, go to this retreat and work on your marriage, or, uh, or we, you, you'll probably be fired, or something like that. And I said, well, that will suck, and so we will go. And, um, but uh, we didn't go to, the, to this marriage conference for a nice, refreshing moment. We went there because we borderline hated each other, okay? And Troy and Mary uh, really encouraged us to do that. And when we went there, they taught us this three-step process for communicating uh, issues because half the, half, 99% of the problems in your marriage are because you just didn't talk about it. Just didn't deal with it, you know what I mean? And so then you just get bitter and bitter and more bitter and more bitter and bitter and bitter and so on and so forth until one day you're just like, I hate you, can't deal with this, goodbye, we're getting divorced. So I want to share these things and uh, one at a time. And now the men, you're going to see the first step in a moment and you're going to be like, ugh, bath, yuck, ew, you know. <clears throat> but bear with me, I want to explain it to you a bit more. The first one is like, okay, I've got a problem um, with Lauren uh, and what I want to do is I'm going to start the sentence with, hey, Lauren, I feel. Um, now the reason that it says to do that and then insert feeling, uh, the reason is if Lauren comes to me and says, Jesse, I feel, um, do you know what I can't do? I can't say, no, you don't. If Lauren says, Jesse, I feel unloved, I can't be like, no, you don't. You feel loved. <laughs> like, who knows? That doesn't work, right? Like, now, uh, whereas if she says, you don't love me well, I can say, yes, I do. But when she comes and says, I feel unloved, I can't say, no, you don't. That's a lie, you know? So, so instead, we go and we start with, I feel, uh, and then it's followed by what insert feeling, and then when you do this thing, and I would appreciate it if you didn't do that anymore and you try and work on that or you'd help me with that or whatever it is. Now, now as a man, when you hear the words, when you're told to say the words, I feel, you're like, that feels gross, <clears throat> right? Because most men, a lot of men that I know anyway, have maybe never even said the words, I feel, 
You know what I mean? Like, like oh, I feel. Really? Whatever. It sounds like sexual assault. Like, what are you talking about, right? You know, like, like most men don't say feelings very much, right? And, and I'm like, so the first time I did, I was like, this is dumb. I don't want to admit that I've got feelings here. But the thing is, I do feel things. And the men in the room, you do feel things. Now, I don't have the same spectrum of words to describe my feelings that Lauren has. Honestly, I don't think I even have the same spectrum of actual feelings that Lauren has. But I do have some feelings. And for me and for most men, nine times out of ten, the only word I can land on is I feel disrespected, right? And uh, nine times out of ten, that's about it, you know? I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to roll with I feel like you don't cherish me. Like it's not a thing that I'm going to communicate to Lauren. Um, I, in fact, to be honest, I don't know that I've ever desired to be cherished by anyone, ever. And I honestly would appreciate it if none of you cherished me. Like, it's not something men say they want, do you know what I mean? And so nine times out of ten for a man, I'm just going to land on I feel disrespected when you do that. And I'd appreciate it if you did not. And, and uh, for Lauren, she's going to say, um, you know, like, because she wants to feel loved and cherished and adored and safe and happy and so on and so forth. And I'm not mocking those, but she has so many more feelings than I do. And she wants more of them than I do. Honestly, I don't even need to feel loved because if I feel respected, I will, that's love for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, and that's the way sort of men operate. Now, I know some men are a little different and have more feelings than me and some women have less feelings than Lauren and that's okay. You're still a woman, you're still a man. Um, you're just a little bit maybe more equipped than the rest of us. And, uh, but for me personally, if I just feel respected and get to have sex, I'm going to be like, I'm living a great life. And so, and that's how it is for most men. Can someone say amen? amen. Right? And uh, so the problem we have, though, is when men and women want men to act like women and women act like men. And so when we do this, I feel when you and we've got the women, she's like, when you say disrespected, could you like maybe break that down? Like, no, I can't. I have no other feelings than that right now, you know? Like, I can't break that down for you. Do you mean cherished? Heck no, I don't mean I don't feel cherished. I just don't feel respected. You hear what I'm saying, right? And so ladies, don't try to get him to break it down for you, all right? Just roll with it. And men, don't, don't listen, she's going to use words you've never used, and it's all right. She's not you. Trust me, you don't want to be married to a dude. A, it's unbiblical. B, you won't like it, all right? It's better that we're married to women who have the feels. Keeps us anchored, to be honest. Keeps us grounded a bit. We just got to make sure when we go into this I feel thing, when you, and again, I'm not talking about just blowing out feelings everywhere. I'm talking about a moment where we're dealing with a situation and a drama or a moment or a conflict in our marriage. We're going to say, this is how I feel. But if you stick to that, because some people who tend to just baffle the emotion everywhere, um, because again, you have the emotions, but the cool thing about humans is we have emotions, we rule them, they don't rule us. 
Emotions are incredible companions. They're terrible drivers. Amen. And so when you have this formula, I feel, insert when you, here it is, I'd love it if, do this, it gives you a formula so you don't have to barf and vomit nasty on each other. Can I get an amen? And just don't try to make them operate like you. So knowing that I want to feel respect, or at least, at least um, I don't want to feel disrespected, and knowing how that makes, that, that being disrespected makes me feel, if you want a deeper word, sad, <laughs> that's about as good as we can get. Um, if she loves me, she wants to change the things that make me feel disrespected. Right? And again, not if she feels love for me, but if she's chosen to love me, like the Bible tells her to. And vice versa, knowing that she wants to feel loved or cherished. When I discover that there's something I do that makes her feel the very opposite of that, then I want to change my behavior so that she does feel cherished. Amen? So let me just close the loop on this before I get to the next 72 points. Um, I want to add there are rules for the listener as well. Okay? Because the first time we did this, everything in me wanted to be like... Right? Come on, who knows what I'm talking about, right? Because you're being told something you're doing is hurting her most basic desires. And so in me, I'm like... But the listener listens. It's a novel concept. And the biggest, what's the greatest, what's the most important part of listening? Austin Powers, zip it. Zip it. Zip it. Unzip it. Unzip it. Right? That's the most important part of listening. And so when we do this, the listener listens. And at the end, when Lauren says it to me, I will repeat back to her. So what I hear you saying is that you feel this when I that, and you'd like it if I change that. Um, or don't do that anymore. And she'll say, yes, that's what I said. Or she'll say, or when she'll say, cherished, and what I'll repeat back is, so what I hear you saying is, you don't feel loved when I, and, she, uh, da, 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 da. and she's like, no, I literally said cherished. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's amazing how you can hear three sentences and repeat it back wrong, right? Um, so what we do is we repeat it back so we know that, okay. Now the other rule that Lauren and I have, we did not learn this at the um, retreat, is that when we have one of these moments, and we did one recently, and I actually botched it up a little bit, but, but we did it recently, and what we do is, um, after I'm done communicating to Lauren that thing that I wanted to deal with, she does not then turn around and do hers. Okay? Because nothing's more frustrating than dealing with an issue and then having them make it their night. Well, okay, yeah, I, I, I hear when you... Okay, cool, I will. But now let me tell you this. I feel when you... It's like, no, 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 no. We actually have a rule that we will deal with one drama in a night, and that's it. And if I brought it up, we're dealing with my problem tonight. If she brought it up, we're dealing with her problem. Usually we won't bring up another one for at least a few days because we want to deal with one problem and let that person feel like their issue, their concern in our marriage was dealt with. Amen. So that's the advice I'm giving you today. And I really do believe that's going to help you um, move forward and get traction in your relationships. And we'll throw this up on the Instaframagram later on so that you can, um, so you can go and look at that later on. I'll also warn you, um, you're going to botch this up a couple of times. Don't give up, all right? Because you want a better marriage. This does work. It's worked for us and a bunch of friends that we've got, okay? It works if one speaks and one shuts up. Okay? 
For me, shutting up is very difficult. I preach over time every week, by like 30 seconds at least, you know? And so shutting up, it can be hard. But if you shut up, your marriage can be healed. Amen? That's good advice. Solid advice. I've got some nods like, yeah. So I've got friends in the room who are similar to me, and they're immediately going like, yep, you know? But um, all right, number four, we ready? Here it is. Forgive them. Okay? Number four is forgive them. Number five, forgive them. Six, forgive them. Seven, forgive them. Eight, forgive them. Nine, forgive them. Ten, forgive them. Eleven, forgive them. Twelve, forgive them. The next 70 points are it's time to forgive them. Okay? Forgive them. Why am I saying that? Look, I did a sermon a couple of months ago where we talked about this, about how uh, about 70 times 7, someone walked up to Jesus and said, like, hey, bro, uh, they probably didn't say that. They probably said rabbi or teacher. Um, <laughs> um, but that, that, that's Hebrew for bro. Um, <laughs> hey, mate, um, how many times should I forgive my brother? Should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus goes, no, 70 and seven times. Some translations say 70 times 7. It's a concept that's in the Old Testament, it's in Genesis. We talked about that. Uh, it was about the third, chap- third or fourth chapter. Um, and then um, and repeated a couple of times in Scripture. And the idea is 70 and 7. It's, it's, it's 70 represents I'm going to continually forgive you. And, uh, and 7 represents complete whole. So I'm going to completely forgive you continually. I'm going to completely forgive you continually. Why did Jesus say continually? I don't understand that. Is he saying that, because he wasn't saying at the 69th one, you warn them, I'm going to beat your face in if we get to 70. He's saying that you will have to keep forgiving them because forgiveness is a choice and a process, not a moment that's done forever. Okay? God is good. We're not God. For us, we remember things. Even if we choose not to act on the things we remember, we remember things. And so when somebody did something that's really hurtful to us, maybe you're, maybe you're divorced and your ex did something really hurtful to you. Well, you can choose to completely forgive them. And you will. Because if in your heart you want to forgive, I believe you. And you're not the one that Jesus is saying won't be forgiven. The one who won't be forgiven according to Scripture, and I wish this Scripture wasn't there because it annoys me, but it's there. I, don't, I shouldn't say I wish it's not there. I guess I'm glad it's there because we want to live better lives. But the idea, the, the hard part about it is it says that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Who's that talking about? People who just don't want to forgive. Look, if, you, if, someone, if your ex did something really hard and it hurt you and you've chosen to forgive them, who, it, who knows that, that, that that's not a moment and done. You, you've chosen to start the process of forgiveness. And sometimes it's a continual process because you forgive them but then you see their face and you want to punch it. But then you choose in your heart, I'm going to forgive them. But then they move in with their new girlfriend or their new boyfriend and you want to punch them again. And you choose to forgive them and then you don't see them for about six months and you're like, wow, I'm actually over this. And then you see their face and you're like, I want to stab them. And you're like, where did that come from? Well, it came from the fact that it's a process. It's a process. And, you, and you've got to keep submitting yourself to this forgiveness process. So he's saying you're going to forgive them. And then you've got to forgive them. And then after that, the next step is to forgive them. And after that, the next step again is to forgive them. 
You may be like, why in five years after my divorce, divorce am I at an altar call saying, Lord, help me get rid of bitterness again? I thought I dealt with that. And maybe you did deal with that, but then something happened again that brought it back. Well, you can stew on that and be bitter, or you can say, God, help me forgive them again. Amen? And so we submit ourselves to this journey of forgiveness. <clears throat> you can move past it. You can heal from the pain. You can. You can have freedom. If you're still married, you can have restoration. Heck, I've even seen divorced people have restoration. It's not as common, but, but listen to me. If you're still in a relationship with someone, it can be healed. Fathers and sons, it can be healed. Mothers and daughters, it can be healed. Husbands and wives, it can be healed. And, but you're going to have to choose to, number one, make sure you're not a snowflake. If you are a snowflake, toughen up buttercup. Number three, if you are not a snowflake, uh, you, need to, you need to confront it, have a conversation about it. And then you need to deal with it. Scripture also talks about in that love passage how it does not keep record of wrongs. What we find so often is people will forgive, say they forgive, but then next argument, it's about that and also the thing they apparently forgave you for. And can I tell you that if you bring yesterday's forgiveness to next week's argument, you kept a list and you did not forgive. Okay? You can't, the biggest part of forgiveness is probably crossing out the list. Gone. Okay, so if I do with Lauren and I feel when you, and I would appreciate it if, well, then next week if we're doing a different I feel when you and I'd appreciate it if, I don't get to bring that one back again. Unless it's the exact same thing again. You know what I mean? But it's done. I'm not adding it to the list of next week's problems. We have to move on. We have to forgive. We have to forget, so to speak. Amen. Last night, we had so many people come to the altar. Today as well, it will be. And so what I want to do is I want, I want to open the front for prayer for people whose marriages are in a little bit of strife. We're going to do that in just a moment. But what we did was we actually had some husbands come alone, some wives come alone. We had some fathers come alone, some mothers come alone. <clears throat> but we mostly had some couples come together. And I loved that. Because there's a couple of thing, reasons you might need to come for prayer today. Number one, you might be in a uh, conflict and you're just both at this point where you're like, oh, bath. I literally hate being married. It's not okay, but it's not uncommon, okay? And so don't feel ashamed of that. Let's instead be humble. And look at this person that you committed to loving forever and come down the front with them and say, hey, I may not always feel like I love you, but I want to. I'm going to choose to love you. Would you come down with me? Whatever it is. But husbands, if you ask your wife to come to the front and she says no, you don't get to add that to your list of things she didn't follow you on. It's a very public moment. She doesn't have to. Wives, if you ask your husband if he would come down the front with you today and he doesn't want to, you don't get to add that to his list of things he's prideful about. He doesn't have to. It's a very public moment, okay? But you're welcome to come down together. And I tell you, I've never seen God not reward the humility it takes to come to an altar, ever. If nothing, the humility is immediately rewarded with a deposit of hope in your heart for a better tomorrow. And that will happen today. And I'll tell you this as well, though. Um, I want other people to know you can come to the front for prayer as well because maybe you're here and it's not like you just hate being married. 
or you're in a lot of conflict, but maybe you've just stopped caring about romance or spending time together or getting to know each other. Or maybe you've peaked. And the problem with peaking is I've done a lot of mountain climbing. I've done a lot of rock climbing and abseiling, all of this gear. And what I've found is I've never found a peak that I can keep climbing afterwards. <laughs> it's always downhill after the peak. So don't peak. You won't just stay up the top. You'll, you'll, you'll start going downhill. You're either going to keep getting to know each other, keep loving each other, keep romancing each other, keep blessing each other, or you're going to do less and it's going to get worse. So some of you want to come down the front today because you're like, you know what, it's peaked and I want to fire it back up again. Some of you are going to come down the front because you want your marriage, or your, to, specifically your marriage, to be better. Okay? And then, uh, and then when we officially close the service, we're going to open it up as well. By the way, if you want prayer for like forgiveness, there's unforgiveness in your heart, I want to invite you down the front as well. Bitterness, brokenness, hurt, I want to invite you down the front as well. God's doing a big thing this weekend. All weekend, I've been feeling it. Been, I've been feeling the weight of it, to be honest. The weight of this moment. And what it can do for your marriages. And, and, and so, I just want to encourage you to respond. Before we do that, though, there's one other thing I want to do. Service will be closed in about four minutes. But if you're in this place and you're away from Jesus, I want you to give him your life. Maybe you're here in Clive. Maybe you're in Owine or Audubon. Maybe you're online. Whoever you are, wherever you are. If you're away from Christ, give him your life today. He's a healer. The God of the restoration. The God of provision. God who loves you. God who created you. And today, he wants you to start a relationship with him. So I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me today and give him your life. If you're away from Christ, give him your life. Maybe you've had a friendship with God and you've walked away. Well, recommit your life to Christ. Just remind the devil. Devil, I am choosing today. I'm going to live for Christ from now on. Give him your life. He wants to bless you. Your relationships are better when you're in relationship with God. Amen. And so your life will be better when you're in relationship with God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.